We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome to church. I'm so pleased that you've come. My name is Chris and I have the privilege of serving with Johnny and Phil as uh, the elders here at Centrepoint Church, and I'm just so pleased that you've come this morning. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, um, so you do start to turn to it now. Uh, just before we get there, um, I've been having a look uh, I guess some morbid things really this week, and it's all about deathbed regrets. And so there's been a, a study uh, recently collating the types of things that people say when it comes towards the end. And uh, so... Here's five things. Um, people kind of said that they wish they spent more time enjoying life, just taking time to kind of enjoy the things of this world and not, I guess, focusing so much on all the other things of life, but just enjoying their life. You know, it's so easy to want to get to the next stage of life, to, to you know, from childhood to adulthood and then from adulthood to kind of relationship, from relationship to parents. Uh, for parenting to grandparenting and, and then retirement and they just wish they spent just more time just enjoying each stage and not wishing they got to the next. Uh, secondly, they wish they tried harder to just be a better husband, parent or family member and just being there for those people around them and um, just, I guess, sharing more love with them. And uh, a third one was they wish they um, wouldn't have allowed fear to dictate all their decisions. There are so many things that people felt that had they not been so fearful of what the outcome might be or fearful of failure, they would have pressed on into and instead they played it safe and just kind of did the did the thing that was like the, the least risk uh, averse. And um, fourthly, they wish they spent more time being themselves instead of just blending into the crowd. Blending into the crowd is just so easy to do and kind of they wish they were just yeah themselves more and you know just um going out there with the things that they felt were right for them to do and then fifthly they wish they'd been just more generous with their time and with their money um, more generous just hanging out with people and just enjoying the the moments of life together and not being so busy to rush on from one thing to the next and and then also you know just reflecting on the fact that they're they're not going to be able to use their money after after death, and so therefore just more generous of it and giving it more away. And so that you know, with five things that come up on, I looked at several different studies, and there were kind of there's a collation of those five things. And I also had some time looking at some Christian studies, and two those five were represented in those things, but two extra things that came out were people saying, "I wish I'd spent more time prioritizing my faith." They just found it so easy to just kind of go weeks and weeks or months and months without really reading the Bible, praying or just spending time in kind of life groups and uh, church and just really kind of focusing on growing in their faith and their love of God. And then the second thing was they wish they had told more people about Jesus. I find it so interesting that so many, no one, you know, no one regretted telling that person about Jesus, you know, oh, I just wish they didn't come to know Jesus. Um, no one, no one thinks that way. And so um, 
the thing is that I know that for all of us, actually, we don't want to be people that get to the end of our lives and have these same regrets. The things that people say and do, you know, before the end are really important. And it's important for us to learn from these things. And all across the Bible, we've got lots of last words from people. And almost all of them, they recount God's faithfulness from the past and then give a therefore, a, a kind of therefore go moment. And it seems to be kind of no different today. You know, people didn't spend time in their last moments listing off their accomplishments or listing their property portfolios or or declaring their bank balances. No, instead, they tell their loved ones how much they love them. They, they often ask for forgiveness for the things they've done wrong. They, they wish they prioritised the things that really matter in life, like some of those things that we've already mentioned. And instead of taking those loved ones around them for granted. And uh, yeah, like I said, not one of them regretted sharing their faith too much. And so this morning, as we carry on our series, which are called Equipped, uh, and it's all about gearing ourselves up for the plans of God. I guess the main aim of this whole series is to place our view of sharing the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus, in its rightful place in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. It's so easy to go through long parts of life especially when the pressures of, pressures of life come through, like work and family, relationships and study, the urgency of the importance of sharing our faith can easily find itself slipping down the list of priorities in our life. And so this series is reminding ourselves all that it means to gear ourselves up for the plan of God. And so this morning I've entitled the, this talk, Equipped for the Great Commission. Hopefully you found Matthew 28 by now. This is Jesus' last words to his disciples before ascending back to heaven. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to earth. He died. He rose again. And then he spent time talking to his followers and revealing himself to over 500 people before then ascending back to heaven. And so these are his last words and they're important. Let's read them. It says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority in heaven and earth and given to me, therefore go. You know, those moments in, in films where someone's life kind of flashes before their eyes, it, you know, it all kind of comes together. I imagine that that kind of would have been something of a moment that the disciples would have had as Jesus come and speak to them and they kind of think through the last three years of all that's happened from Jesus' first miracle all the way through to his resurrection and then ascension. And I wonder if they would have thought, as, as Jesus is standing there declaring all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, that they would have kind of, it all had clicked into place. And they said, yeah, it all now makes sense. And so I just spent some time pondering Jesus' first miracle. And the kind of the parallels that map out onto then his later life. And um, 
you know, we haven't got enough time to go through all the miracles, but I just got to focus a little bit on that first miracle and how that maps onto the end of his life and how that links to his last words. So let me just remind you of that, that first miracle that he did. It's in um, chapter two of John's Gospel. And it says this, that basically there was a wedding and the wedding would have taken place in, in Galilee and wedding celebrations would have been over several days. And it gets to the third day and Jesus and his disciples, they're there, they've been invited to the wedding. And basically the the bridegroom who would have, uh, his, him and his family who would have put on this big wedding banquet have run out of wine. And so Jesus' mother comes to him and says, um, Jesus, they, they've run out of wine. And, and he's like, well, women, why do you involve me? You know, my hour's not come yet yet come. But his mother, you know, seemingly just ignoring what he said, kind of goes to the disciples and says, well, just do whatever he tells you. And uh, nearby, there's kind of these six stone water jars. These are these are jars that would have been used for ceremonial washing. That as people enter into a a banquet or into a sacred space, they would have needed to, you know, wipe, the, scrub up their feet and wash off their hands. And so they would have needed this water. And I guess these these jars are, are running down as, you know, they were being used. And Jesus kind of goes, says to his servants, right, go and get those water jars and fill them all up with water to the brim. And then draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And so they do so. And uh, the master of the banquet, he would have been like a real special honoured guest. And he drinks some of this and then turns to the bridegroom and says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had already too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And so in this story and also at the end, when Jesus' tomb is found empty, we see some parallels. Like, so, for example, women are involved in giving key messages to the men. And so here we see Mary, Jesus' mum, telling the disciples to trust him. And at the tomb, we see the women telling the disciples to come and see that he's not there anymore, but he's alive. I love that Mary was there at this wedding and she, we know that she was there at the cross next to John. She's, we know that she's there in the upper room in, in Acts and uh, praying with the disciples as they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And I imagine she was also there at the empty tomb too, although um, Matthew records it as the other Mary alongside Mary Magdalene. And at these key moments, men and women are together following Jesus. And it's kind of the same as right back in Genesis, as God commands um, men and women to go into the world to subdue it and to rule over it. And, you know, Jesus, this great commission that he gives us is, him uh, encouraging men and women to go into all the all the world because all authority has been given to him and it encourages them to go and so women and men play key parts in this in this story we also and, and also throughout Jesus life we see people bringing their problems to Jesus bringing the lame the paralyzed the sick and diseased here they're bringing the problem of running out of wine but we all even see people bringing the problem of um, death to him. And we see people like Lazarus raised from the dead. We see that throughout the Gospels, Jesus um, has amazing power to change and transform people's lives beyond recognition. And like here, the result of Jesus' intervention in these lives and others across the Bible is always abundant joy for those who receive him, even in the midst of trials. And then lastly, what I find remarkable is that in order to go into the banquet ceremonially clean, you would have had to use this water to scrub yourself up. 
to take off the dirt, to prepare yourself. And yet here, Jesus takes that water and he doesn't kind of get them to add water to the empty wine jars, but he goes to the ceremonial washing jars, the, 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 the jars that would have had no wine in them at all, because it just would have been cleaning water. And he, that is what is replaced for wine. You see, back in those days, in order to come into the presence of majesty, you've got to scrub yourself up. You have to work hard to make yourself right in order to be accepted. And you know what? The same would have happened in, um, and the same happens in today's society. In lots of religions, you have to work hard, fix up, make yourself presentable, do certain things in order to come before the gods of each of those religions. But here, Jesus takes that ceremonial washing water and he turns it into wine. And you know what? Throughout the whole of the New Testament, wine is depicted as Jesus's blood. And so at the last meal, he picks up a glass of wine and he, he says, this is my blood. This represents my blood spilt for you on the cross. And whenever you drink it, you remember this and remember all that I've done for you. And so right back in this very first miracle, as Jesus comes, he's saying there is a new way to enter into the sacred space, into the holy holies, into the place of majesty. And it's not by scrubbing yourself up and wiping yourself down and making yourself clean, but it's through the blood of Jesus. It's through all that he has done. Because you see, um, at the cross, when Jesus, he came to this earth and died on the cross, what he was doing is he was taking on all our sin and all our shame. He paid the price for it. He died. But three days later, he overcame death, proving that he was over all things so that whoever believes in him can know resurrection life and come to know a heavenly father. God can come into God's presence, be reunited and um, reconciled to him through his blood. And so as Jesus died on the cross, there was uh, the temple inside the temple was the Holy of Holies. And this place was where the priest on one day of the year could go into it, having already made himself ceremonially clean. And yet the curtain that was wrapped around this um, place. And another word for that is the veil. When Jesus died on the cross, it, the Bible records that that veil was torn in two. So now the access into the Holy of Holies is open. No longer is God's presence only accessible once a year by a ceremonially clean high priest. But now all can come through Jesus' death on the cross, through his blood. That is what the resurrection power does in our lives. It gives us access into God's presence. And so just like in that first miracle, Jesus was showing that the way into majesty is no longer through ceremonial washing water, but through his blood. He, he then physically enacts that on the cross as the, the way is torn into, the access is open, that all dignity, honour and value can be restored to human beings, whoever puts their trust in Jesus can come into God's household freely by his blood. Um, and I think that is just amazing. And so as the disciples are hearing all these things, they must have been clicking. Oh, it all suddenly makes sense from that first miracle all the way through all that Jesus has been talking about, about his grace. And so it starts off then, you know, Matthew chapter 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to. Of course they did, because having, you know, just remembered all that he's done, seeing all he's done, seeing his resurrected body. All these amazing things. Of course, they would go where he tells them to and they would trust him. And so should we. 
And it goes on. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Absolutely they worshipped him. Because he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who makes the way, the way maker. And do you know what, though? The Bible doesn't hide anything because then it says but some doubted. I love that it's just so real. Another way of translating that word doubt is that some hesitated. You know, often we can come to church, but we can be hesitant. Do you know what? That's OK. And the Bible recognises that and it doesn't even try to hide it. It acknowledges that that's a very real thing. But. These people, whilst they hesitated, they had enough faith to just take that one step to to go to that mountain. And that's where they worshipped. And, you know, we we see that um, throughout the Bible that like those uh, people back in Moses day, they just had enough faith to put the blood on the the doorposts and um, just enough faith to do that. And in doing that, um, God passed over them and they didn't die. And in the same way, the thief on the cross had enough faith to trust in Jesus. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And, you know, today, you might be here today. and um, You might have all sorts of questions. And even in your questions, all you need is enough faith to say, Jesus, I don't understand all the things, but I want to put my trust in you. You can come even in your doubt, even in your hesitation. And Jesus doesn't you, won't reject you, actually. He encourages you to come in. And do you know what? It then goes on and it says, um, so they saw him, they worshipped him, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them. I love that. That even in the doubt, wherever you are, Jesus doesn't leave you. Lots of religions, uh, religious gods kind of stand tantalisingly just out of reach. But Jesus doesn't. He comes to you. And then he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. All authority, authority over wine, authority over storms, over sickness, over death and disease, over sin and Satan. Jesus comes to them here on the mountain and he also comes. He comes just as he comes to them from heaven to earth and comes to them on the mountain. Do you know what? Through his Holy Spirit, he comes to us today and he says, all authority has been given to me over everything. He's demonstrated it through his life and through his death and through his resurrection and then through his ascension and then through the power of his Holy Spirit. He comes to us. He says, all authority has been given to me, King Jesus, the one who's sitting on the throne. And therefore we must go. Colossians put it, puts it like this. It says the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or things, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the wine. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that amazing? This is King Jesus. The lion, as we've been singing, the lion and the lamb, the lion who roars of all the authority, who is God. And also the lamb on the cross, willingly um, sacrificing 
himself so that we could come into God's presence, so we can walk into the Holy of Holies, be reconciled with him. This is the authority that Jesus carries. And because he carries this authority, he says, therefore, grow. Therefore, go. Be equipped with the Great Commission. So it says, go. Go and tell people this good news. Go and tell them their sins can be forgiven. Go and tell them that um, there is a way for them to come to know their loving Father. Go and tell them they are loved and cherished and regardless of what labels people put on them lives, on their lives, that I accept them and I love them and I want them to draw near to me and I will come to them. Go into the world and bring them hope. A hope that is satisfying and nourishing. A hope that will never fade, perish or crumble. Therefore, go. Just want to take a moment to just mention a few key things that we spoke about on Wednesday evening at our worship night. It was such an amazing gathering as we prayed together as a church and shared lots of news, which I know many of you will already know about. But if you missed it, let me just catch up on a few highlights. I'm so pleased to say that, you know, it's just been amazing that a month ago, less than a month ago, we were coming to the church saying there is a list of loads and loads of things which we don't have the answers for, but we're praying to God for. And I want to thank you for all those that have prayed for us because God has come through on loads of things. So I'm really pleased to let you know that we've got new offices, which we get the keys for at the end of this month. And um, we've sorted the leadership for our kids work and we sorted the leadership team, leadership for our worship team. And do you know what? We've also got a new name. We shared about how we were looking for a name that represented our core values. So who we are and why we're in Guildford. We wanted a name that was understandable to our community. So not a Christian religious jargony name, but a, a, a word that they would use and, and understand. And we also wanted a name that didn't need explanation. that basically does what it says on the tin. And so through the last six months, with this in mind and with a few key prophetic words, we've got a new name. And so you would remember that, you know, Guy Miller, he came and spoke to us about the fire station and how the firefighters are there to be equipped, encouraged, resourced. Um, but their job is actually to be a force for good in the community. They're called to come into the fire station, but all of that has the sole purpose of going out into the community to bring hope to all of those people around them. Part of his word was about, instead of extinguishing fires, actually was also taking the fire of the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go into our community to make a difference, to bring peace, life, life joy and hope wherever we go. Hope to the lonely, hope to the marginalised, hope to those that are in need, helping the hurting. Recently, I was at a commission prayer meeting as well, and there was a guy next to me who had a word for me. And he said, oh, I don't know what building you're in, but I had a picture of a hall with big bay windows down the side. Oh, which, by the way, that's another thing. We're going to be moving to the Royal Grammar School on the 26th of April. We've signed the contract. It's all come back. We've paid the deposits. So it's all ready to go. Isn't that amazing? That's another thing that's come through. Anyway. So as he started saying this, I knew, well, that, that is the Royal Grammar School. Of course, it's not the Odin. It's exactly the Royal Grammar School. He said, anyway, I, um, I saw these windows and they were all misted over. And he said, I felt that over the next few months, God was just going to clear the mist from these windows. That You don't need to do anything, but he's just going to come through on lots of things and clearing the mist. And isn't that so true? That just over this month, God has been clearing the mist on all these different things that we've been praying for. And then he said... 
that as you look out the window, these clear windows, you're going to be able to see the community. And the purpose of being able to see the community is in order to go and bring them hope. And so as he shared these key words, I just knew that God was talking to us about several things. First of all, talking to us about the move to the Royal Grammar School and how right that is. Secondly, talking to us about although there's all these obstacles in the way, uh, all these things that need to come through, that it's all right, I'm with you. And then thirdly, talking to us prophetically about the name. So these prophetic words, along with some of our own criteria, criteria, which I've let out already and went into more detail, we felt that the best name for our church moving forward is Hope Church. Hope Church, because that's what we're called to do, to therefore go into the world to bring hope, to bring the hope of the gospel, the hope of Jesus into the world, a hope that is satisfying, nourishing, that will never fade, perish or crumble, a firm foundation the, about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we're going to carry on as Centrepoint Church over the next few months and we'll give you more details as we finalise websites and logos and all those kind of things. But it's just an encouragement here that all authority has been given to Jesus and he encourages us to go into the world to bring his joy, love, peace and hope through his Holy Spirit. And so we come to our Sundays and we come to our groups to be equipped, encouraged and inspired. But it's all, it's all in order to go, to go out into the community, to go and be a force for good there, to go into the marginalised and into the lonely places and to be a people of hope. And so how do we do this? Well, Jesus carries on and he, he kind of lists three things. So he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, that includes everyone. No one is excluded. He says to tell them about me, to show them that my, my best desires for their lives, to tell them that I love them, to bring them to know the joy that I, I have for them and in them. And sometimes it's easy to think that, you know, being a missionary is all about going abroad. But do you know what? Jesus sends us to the nations and to our neighbours. And so I wonder, how are you doing? How are you doing with making disciples? How are you doing with telling people about this Good news. How are you doing with helping people to come to know all that it means to be a follower of Jesus? Maddie, you know, it was so great last week to have the testimony of Chris, you know, a 61 year old sharing his face, making disciples, helping people to come and know Jesus. Today I'd love Maddie to come up, who's a 19 year old in our church, and just tell us a few words of what you've been doing over this last week. Thanks, Maddie. So, yeah, we've just finished our Surrey Christian Union Events Week and the theme of this year was real, um, real lives, real stories, real hope. And it was just an amazing week. And we had about over a thousand people um, coming, coming to our events just to hear the gospel being proclaimed so faithfully. And um, so praise God for that. It was just so amazing. It's also really cool to see the CU just being mobilised um, to really be bold in inviting their friends. Um, and just the conversations that really occurred were just really amazing. People really wanted to explore what faith meant, who Jesus was um, and Christianity. And it was just such an encouraging time to see people being so open on campus. Um, but it wasn't just students who really... Uh, came along there were sort of other people sort of coming along and being involved as well 
and it was really cool one of sort of the highlights of of the week for me um was we had sort of a catering director who was helping us out um with catering sort of during the week and we sort of yeah got to know him a bit during the week and and we sort of we thought you know what lord we just we're just thinking lord just give us an opportunity and sort of one in the morning prayers we were just praying for him we were just and we just asked uh for the lord that we would be given an opportunity just to speak to him and just to share the gospel with him um and it was sort of later on the wednesday evening um there was a talk about real pain and he was really i could just see he was really listening intently um to it and he later on in the evening i was sort of looking around and he was there sort of sitting on his own and sort of got a little bit of a holy spirit to holy spirit prompting saying maddie you need to go over there and and speak to him and i was a bit like oh i'm a bit tired i don't want to get into this now i'm not sure um but of course i thought no better go um and so i went over to him and just you know just started to chat in and i said oh how did you find how did you find tonight and he went it was good it made a lot of sense but i still just struggle with the fact how does how does god allow um murderers who've who believe in him and trust in him into heaven but not allow me who i don't trust in him but i'm a good person into heaven and so i was a bit like whoa okay we're gonna start here wow amazing um but it was just one of those conversations where you can just tell just just it's just the holy spirit speaking it was just amazing um and i just felt sort of what I was able to say and some analogies I was able to give um, him and just telling him that you know that God is morally excellent and we all fall short of the glory of God Um, and so it's only through Jesus's blood that you know we're forgiven and I was it was just he told me you know that had been the first time that he'd heard um, something from a Christian and it really made sense to him the gospel had made sense to him and yeah it was just amazing that this week was not just about students hearing the gospel and it was great that so many students did but also it was so many other people involved that we never thought we'd have conversations with um so yeah it was just such an amazing week isn't that amazing maddie it's so good to hear how you have just been pressing out in all the things of helping to see people come to know jesus he goes on, doesn't he? And he says, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations and then baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here we love to baptize people. We do that because Jesus got baptized himself and then encouraged us to do the same. It's a great time to hear how someone become a Christian. I love our baptism evenings. We often do those on our worship evenings. And so if that's, you know, if you're someone who's, you know, become a Christian, but you've not yet taken the step to be baptized, well, why don't, why don't you do that? You know, being baptised is not the end of your journey, but it's the first step. It's an outward symbol of all that's happened in your hearts already. And so often we encourage people to do that at the start of their journey, actually. And baptism, I guess it represents three things. It represents a bath, a grave and a cradle. It represents a bath because it represents that when we put our trust in Jesus, all our sin and our shame is washed away. And when we rise up out of the water, it symbolizes us being clothed in Jesus' robe of, of glory and holiness. And, and you know, we're reminded that actually when God looks at us, he doesn't look at all our sin and our shame, but he looks at Jesus' perfection and his holiness. And so we are now called holy, a, a royal priesthood, able to come into God's presence through the blood of his son, Jesus, like in that passage that we read earlier. 
you know, also represents a grave that as we go into the water, our, our, our old self we, is, is, um, is, we're dead to our old self. That has died. And as we raise up, we are a new creation. That's the words that the Bible uses, that we are, we are born again and we are clothed in Jesus and we are dead to the old things, our sinful nature and our selfishness is gone, but now we live for Jesus and we trust him. It doesn't mean we never, we, we, you know, we'd never mess up, but it means that our desires are different. We have desires now for heavenly things and not for earthly things. And so our, 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 it's like a grave, like our old self has died and we're born again to, to a new thing. And it's also like a cradle, you know, um, that is like this whole birth narrative, being born again. It's a cradle showing that we are children of God and now we are searching and seeking to be fed on all the things of the Holy Spirit so that as we grow into full maturity, we grow into all that it means to be a follower of Jesus. So we trust him. It's the start of the journey, not the end. And so if you've put your trust in Jesus but have not yet got baptised, what's holding you back? You know, is it fear? Is it fear that you're somehow not good enough? And if it is, well, that's a lie. Because in Christ you are. All you need to do is come and put your trust in him. And if you have, come and get baptised. It's an outward sign of an inward change. And then thirdly, it goes on and says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For some people, they're happy for Jesus to be their saviour and friend. But you know what? Jesus reminded us that he's also Lord and King. Not only are we called to help people come and see Jesus as their saviour and baptise them, but we're also called to help them see Jesus as their Lord, obeying what he says and trusting him, not just for their salvation, but for every part of their lives. I see so many Christians who like to have one without the other. They like to praise Jesus on a Sunday as saviour, but Monday to Saturday shut out the lordship of Jesus in their life. You know, becoming a Christian isn't like receiving a download and turning into a robot who suddenly changes. No, just like people have free will to either choose or reject Jesus as their saviour, they also have free will to choose how they're going to obey and trust him in their obedience in everyday life. For me, it started with my language. You know, as I became a Christian, before I was a Christian, and my language, it didn't bother me, it didn't affect me, but when I became a Christian, I was asked this new creation, suddenly the Holy Spirit in me just felt grieved by the language that I was using and so that started to change and I was obedient to that prompting of the Holy Spirit in my life and so I started to adapt my language through his strength as well. For you it might be your thoughts or your habits or your actions or how you treat others but allowing Jesus to speak into your life and then act on it is what it means to obey Jesus. Jesus isn't just interested in your final destination but he's interested in your journey. And he wants to walk with you every step of the way so that you grow in trusting in him in every area of your life. That's why we do life groups. You know, it's great that we've got a new one starting up. I'm so pleased that Josh and Joel are starting a new life group in the centre of Guildford and anyone can join them. It's why we do things like freedom in Christ as you come and know all that it means to, to be uh, free in Christ, to, to put away the things of unforgiveness and all those things that, that you know, we've died to but sometimes still live with and trusting in him for them and obeying him even in those moments. That's why we do men's women ministries and women's ministries and students and twenties ministries, because living like a Christian, and that word Christian means little Christ, it can be tough, and so we need to start to shed those things of selfishness and greed. And as we think and pray with others and for others, as we trust 
what Jesus is doing, as we trust that Jesus has better things in our lives, as we believe him, we start to put to death the things, our desires, and trusting in his desires, and longing for his desires. And so we say yes to him, and no to the things of this world. And we learn to turn the other cheek, and we learn to serve, and we learn to give, and we, we learn to believe in him. We learn to believe that Jesus is more committed to our long-term joy than even ourselves. And so it's possible to say no to some of the temporary desires of this world in order to long for and look for the treasures that we'll find in heaven. Learning to, uh, or, you know, going into the world and making disciples is one thing, but teaching them to obey is also part of the Great Commission. And you know what? He ends it with this amazing promise. Is that promise that is um, comes throughout the whole of the Bible more than any other promise? And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. More than any other promise, He promises never to leave us or forsake us. And here, Jesus' final words to us are not, "Well, I'm standing back now and watching to see how you perform." He doesn't say, "I'm just sitting here waiting for you to mess up." And then I'll be done with you. No, he says, I'm with you every step, always. I'm not going to leave you. And do you know what? That is a present day promise. He doesn't say, and I was with you. He says, I am with you. I'm with you. It's not future wishful thinking. I'm with you right now. It's a present day promise. 2,000 years later, those 12 people who trusted in him then, who was chatting to him on the mountain, they turned into a few hundred people. Towards the end of the Acts, we see that's 5,000 people, and now roughly it's a third of the world's population. Jesus has given us a great commission. All authority has been given to him because he is the King of Kings, and he is the Lord of Lords, and he encourages us with this great commission to go. So let's let our hearts be shaped by his mission and not our own. Come on, let's Get the band back up. And as they come, start to come up, I, I, there's three things that I want us to be thinking about and praying into. And they're this. Maybe you're in the group who are just a bit hesitant. You know, today, you can know Jesus is coming to you. And that even in your hesitancy, even in your doubt, you can come, you can choose to come to the mountain. You can choose to step over that line of faith. You can choose to put your trust in him. And you know what? He is faithful to meet with you and to let you know that he's for you and with you and is never going to leave you. And so if that's you today, maybe for you, your step is to come to him just to, to, to pray. Maybe for the first time or the hundredth time, Lord, I love you. I trust in you. Come and meet with me. Maybe you know Jesus, but you you know him as saviour, but you need to trust in his lordship also. And that might come in two ways. Maybe for you today, there's a, you need to make a commitment to come and get baptised. Maybe you've put your trust in him as saviour, but you haven't choose to trust his lordship. And that first step of that is baptism. Do you know what we can do that? And I'd love you to come and chat to us. But secondly, it might be that you're just, there's an area of your life that you're just really struggling to relinquish to the Lordship of Jesus. You know, maybe you, you've done the baptism thing, but, the, you know, as you continue to grow as a little Christ, as a Christian, that there are just areas of your life that you're struggling to, to kind of let go of and trust Jesus in. And you know what it is. You don't need to prod and poke yourself. You know, he, he would have revealed that to you today and over the last few weeks and months because he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, don't let your heart, heart be hardened 
why don't you just come and pray to him and leave that to him? So come on, let's let's stand together. Let's just settle our hearts and let's start to bring those things before God. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for just the amazing news of this gospel. This wonderful news that we are given. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our great example. Right from that very first miracle all the way through to the end, you are have a consistent story that you have come to this earth to reconcile people to God, not by their own efforts and their own strategies and their own cleansing, but by your blood through what you have accomplished. Thank you, Lord God, that we can come into relationship with our Heavenly Father, not because of our own efforts and our own works, because of all that Jesus has done. Not because we are perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. And I just pray today that for all of us here who are hesitant to come before you, I pray, would you come and meet us as you have promised. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to know that you are here. And for those of us that have put our trust in you, who know you as Saviour, help us, Lord God, to submit to the Lordship of you over all our lives, over every single area. Help us to trust in you, to be people that obey you and grow in our relationship with you. And so for those areas in our lives, Lord God, that we have been um, reluctant to hand over to you, Lord, I pray we just want to hand them over to you now. We, we put them at the foot of your cross. And for all those, those sins and those desires that we love to hang over, Lord, we give them to you. We repent for them and we ask, Lord God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, give us strength and boldness and courage to, to learn to know all that it is to be a people saved by grace who know you. And so I just pray, Heavenly Father, as we gear ourselves up for the plans of God, as we get ready to, to um, step out and step forward in the Great Commission with, with the nations and with our neighbours. Lord, I pray, would you equip us with everything we need? Would you inspire us to be a people that are ready to go into our community to bring this message of hope in the gospel, this firm foundation, this wonderful message that will never spoil, fade or perish, but is a, a firm foundation that we can stand on and trust in and believe in, Lord God, for every area of our life. We give it to you, we give our lives to you, we trust you, we, we give our community to you, and we say, Heavenly Father, have your way in us, Lord God, we pray. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am, at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.